Welcome to Mondo Football Coach Podcast. Today we have on the podcast podcast coach Brad Birchfield uh, from Hartley in Columbus. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me. Uh, coach, it's always a, a pleasure to talk to you, text with you, um, tweet at you on Twitter. Um, just uh, give the, the listener a little bit of background about yourself, and um, so uh, they they know uh, know your greatness, Coach, because you're you're one of the best. Well, uh, I coach at a, uh, a medium-sized Catholic school in Columbus, Ohio, on the east side of Columbus, Bishop Hartley. Um, long uh, standard of, of excellence the school's had. Uh, you know, we've had uh, multiple state championship appearances, multiple state championships. Pretty interesting. We've only had three football coaches since 1964, and uh, my two predecessors were both incredibly accomplished and uh you know, just legendary, iconic figures. So the school has a tremendous amount of uh, tradition. I've been there for 13 years and uh, am pretty thankful to be there every day. Uh, prior to coming to Hartley, uh, I was head coach at a, a small rural school in central Ohio, uh, Centerburg, which is the geographic center of Ohio. Um, so I've been a head football coach for 18 years. Love it. I've had, uh, had the similar staff around me the whole time. You know, we have very close-knit staff and, uh, you know, we've kind of all been together for a long time and uh, had a lot of stability within our program, and I know that's key to us uh, doing well. Yeah, Coach, we we got connected. You know, it's a funny story. Uh, I, I guess you had sent some film to Morgantown High School a couple of years back, and um, they were like, hey, there's this guy in Ohio who runs a lot of uh, man coverage, and I said, well, who is it? And they said, it's Coach Birchfield at Bishop Hartley, and then uh, I think I just sent you an email randomly one day, and you were kind enough to respond back. And um, I mean, Coach, you you have created quite the powerhouse there at Bishop Hartley, and, and built upon the guys like you said that came before you. Talk about you know what is your process for building uh, Bishop Hartley into, into the program it is now. Well, you know, I've always loved football, and uh, I think it's the greatest game in the world. It had a tremendous impact on me as a young man. You know, I was not uh, certainly overly athletic or anything like that, but uh, you could uh, – I found a home in football and uh, a place where at least I could be competitive and, uh, and was a part of some really good teams. And so, you know, that love of the game uh, carries you through. And, uh, you know, as, as soon as I figured out I wasn't good enough to – to continue to play football, I wanted to be around the game all my life, and uh, you know, I, I I wanted to be a coach uh, probably at an earlier age, you know, my college years, and uh, from that point, you start to learn from people that uh, that you know are doing it right and are successful, and uh, you try to find everything you can about how they're doing it. You know, I'm like you, I'm a football junkie. I always want to be around it. I always want to learn. I'm I'm quick to answer whatever questions people have and I'm quick to ask questions and really do deep dives with them as well. Yeah. Coach, you, I mean, I, we, we came up and, and talked together a couple of years ago in your, your office at Hartley and you were very open and um, what, what's led you to be like that? Cause I know that there's some guys that, you know, it's like they have the keys to, you know, the, the Coke recipe and they, <laughs> it's hard to get anything out of them. What, what's made you be willing to be so open with other coaches? Well, I love football, and I love talking about football, and uh, I'm an English major, so I love talking as well, and uh, that goes with the territory, but uh, I just love sharing football and learning new ideas and 
talking about our program and hearing about other people's program, what they're doing. And, you know, I mean, football's kind of, uh, kind of been our life. I'm also smart enough to know that, you know, what wins games, you know, on the field. I think some of those guys that are secretive probably uh, feel like, uh, you know, they're the reason why the team's win or losing and, uh, or winning, I'm sorry, more so. You know, I'm smart enough to know that uh, you got to have really great players and, uh, and they're the ones who win and how they perform on Friday nights. Uh, you know, how we block power, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, we're going to block down and kick out. We're going to run that thing and try to get really good at it. And I know guys are going to get really good at defending it, but we're still going to, we're going to try to do well with that. And I don't think there's much secret involved in that. When we do well, we do. Absolutely. Coach. Um, I, I've seen, you know, some of your material that you put on chief pigs, chief, uh, if I could talk chief pigskin. Um, and one of those who was talking about, are you an artist or are you like a, a scientist? Um, would you open up a little bit about that? That was really interesting listening uh, listening to that material. Sure, sure. And you know, we've had a little bit of discussion with some of my some of my peers recently. Um, I guess two parts to it. The first is the you know you have kind of the scientist that's the schemer, uh, so to speak, and then you kind of have the artist that is a little more free flowing and let the kids, uh, you know, I don't want to say tolerant of mistakes, but understand that. Uh, you know, what, what the popular term is the growth mindset, you know, the failing is moving forward. And, uh, you know, you, you want to you know, take my analogy of block and power, you know, maybe that left foot for the scientist has to be exactly at 45 degrees, or maybe the artist, that thing might be at, uh, at 37 degrees, but there's really a lot of impact because I can get my shoulder around better. You know, I think you need both. I think you need a a scientist and an artist approach. I mean, I think those are the best coaches that are able to combine those. I mean, kind of veering off the off the path on this is, you know, some of my coaching peers, we talked about some of the coaches that are, you know, everybody wants to build a culture. And culture is not an overused word. It's an underused word because it's everything that touches everything that we do as a program and, uh, you know, everything that goes into every day. You know, it just is. Culture is everything. Um, but you also can't just start sending out a lot of fancy quotes and um, pep rallies and just talking about culture all the time. You better understand how you're going to block things or how you're going to scheme things. You know, if you you could have the best culture in the world, but if you know you're running, if you've got two blockers and they've got three defenders, it isn't going to matter. So you have to, you know, there's a balance and a marrying between the, the artist and the, uh, the scientist, between the, the culture and the schemer. Absolutely, Coach. You know, I was thinking watching, you know, this pro game that's going on, the Seahawks and the, and the Packers. I want to get your, your take on this. You know, you watch scheme at the pro level and what they do, and obviously, you know, they have, they have very good players, um, a lot of time with their guys. You know, how much as a high school coach can we learn from watching like a pro game as far as schematics and how they, they handle their business on the field? Yeah, I don't know that we get a ton of it, a, a ton out of it. I love uh, professional football. I love the NFL much more of an NFL fan than I ever am a college fan. I think you could probably learn some things. That I think we can learn better uh, from how colleges teach. Um, but the NFL game, I mean, it is the top you know, 0.05% athlete against the other top 0.05% athlete. And uh, the drama involved with that's really entertaining. But I don't know schematically how much 
you know, at least our program, how much we gauge it. We're not a zone team, and I think every team uh, has to run some form of zone. I mean, you talk about that game, and I know I heard that the uh, commentators talk about, you know, an RPO that Aaron Rodgers threw on the middle post. And, you know, when I watch it, I don't see an RPO. I see that he was trying to have a great play fake, and uh, it hit that middle post. So I don't know how much um, – I don't know how much – people want to learn compared to what's really available to learn, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, you know, the spread being, you know, in vogue, it's somewhat in pro and definitely in college. Um, you know, what, what are some things that you think like high school wise, like, is that the best, you think that's the best fit? Like as far as going spread or going kind of like you guys do more multiple formation under yeah. center. Yeah, that's the beauty of, of high school football. And, you know, in our state, in Ohio, the, the really cool thing is you have great teams that can spread it out, and you have tremendous teams that, you know, um, run two tights and three backs. And you have, you know, urban teams and suburban teams and rural teams, and you have private schools and public schools. And, uh, you know, the, the cool thing is so many of them in all different uh, areas are successful so you know that's not the cop-out answer that uh you know schematically what can be successful I, we still believe obviously that um the most consistent thing that we're able to teach are low shoulders out of a running back and um try to improve blocking throughout the year as we've had really good football teams we've had incredible offensive lines and uh and that's been we can rely more on that i think our staff probably has more comfortability teaching um teaching offensive line play and running back play than we would anything else i think you can take away a passing game i think uh you know press coverage and can can disrupt a passing game quite a bit and the teams that are successful in the spread i think can certainly run it now it doesn't mean the teams you know the air raid teams can't win but you know in ohio and in your state west virginia and uh you know, if you're not better than somebody, the weather is a great equalizer. Mm, yeah. And, and the weather can't equalize, you know, running power or counter. It can't equalize running downhill with low shoulders. But it can equalize teams that throw the football. And, uh, I mean, certainly teams that throw the football have beaten us. And, uh, you know, they've won, won at the highest level. But I think that it's good for us to be consistent by teaching great offensive line play. And I have three – just incredible coaches that coach the offensive line that are as good a coach as anybody's ever going to be around. That's awesome, Coach. When you, when you talk about you know your philosophy is you know your your downhill low shoulders. What do you guys do in the off season that that helps with that? What are some things that you know as a as a coach myself who coaches offensive line? What are some things that I can do in the off season to help my guys be better uh, suited to do those types of things? You know, I think that uh, I think you live on those hurdles. I think that you can, if you can, and you're, you're familiar, I'm sure, with the, what we're talking about with the hurdles with under and over, mm -hmm. and really working on working on hip mobility and hip flexibility. Um, I think that as you create kind of create that flexibility within the ankles, knees, and hips, and that joint. You know, I know our offensive line coach and offensive coordinators just constantly work on those hurdles, and I think that creates a really low pad level. Um, I think you do. Obviously, everybody's going to throw around heavyweight all year round. I mean, kids that are serious about football at any school 
they're going to be uh, living and dying in that weight room and and uh, and working hard in there and becoming stronger. But I think that hip mobility is the number one thing that we can do. I mean, I know we do a lot of things. We work on, you know, we constantly work on punch. I mean, we constantly work on uh, on extending our arms all year round. That's not necessarily against another person, but we want to take the plates and we want to extend arms quickly and uh, w- with violent thrust. So I think those kind of things have, have helped us throughout the year. That's awesome, Coach. Um, transitioning a little bit to kind of your defensive philosophy. I know we talked about that um, a lot in the past past couple of years, but just give the listener a little, little preview into what you know you believe in and why do you why do you believe in it. Yeah, we've evolved a little bit. We were, you know, my early years, we were an under team, and uh, we evolved away from the under just because it was too much specificity within the positions. You know, you always had to have that that Sam outside linebacker was one dude, one kid, he better be really good. The mic was constantly getting ISO'd, so you kind of had to have one guy you taught a specific skill. The will was always coming over the top, so you had a one skill. And, uh, you know, we were kind of a country cover three team back then. We were dropping on landmarks. And um, I didn't like that. You know, it got too difficult to be so specific with those positions, particularly when injuries hit. Uh, We didn't have much flexibility in who we were putting in and and what they were able to do or what they were at least able to practice throughout the week. And obviously I can remember a game uh, my earlier years, I think it was 06, where a team was just hitting the, the curl flat all over us and we were dropping on the numbers and, you know, that curl would be live inside and we couldn't get to it. And I was yelling at the, the kid to cover both the curl and the out. And you get to the sideline, no, no, come back, get to the numbers. And, you know, it seemed pretty stupid looking back at it. So we became more of a, of a pattern read team, you know, kind of evolved that way. And, um, then we really liked the odd stack and thought it was flexible because it was not as much position specific. Um, still running pattern read stuff out of it. Well, you know, the pattern read stuff kind of went away because so many people were trying to hit us vertically that mm-hmm. we were always carrying the inside verticals. And so we finally said, forget it. If, if we're going to just work on carrying inside verticals all the time, we might as well be a man team. Mm. So we became a man team and then we became a press team because, you know, being a man team without pressing, I think is, you know, I think it's worthless. I mean, you're not disrupting the route. We wanted to disrupt the route. We felt like that gave the scenario to be more successful. And then recently, last couple of years, uh, because we've been so married to man, we kind of ran into problems with the odd stack where we would ask those inside linebackers. I was still calling the Rob and the Lou inside linebackers. Mm-hmm. We were asking them to scrape over top and kind of have the inside belly. So we were doing the same thing we had done 15 years ago, asking the kid to have dual responsibilities, and we didn't want that. So we kind of came to a, you know, an epiphany that we always wanted two force players at all time, and that's all they did were became force players and then let everybody else run inside of it. Mm. So we became more of a 3-4 team, and um, that's helped us evolve and still play man. We do a lot more blitz, and, you know, we just kind of did our – data breakdown from last year and we were I think we were on a 52% pressure 60% pressure somewhere in there which is you know from the first 17 years I've been a head coach we didn't blitz hardly at all now we feel like we need to get a fourth rusher and oftentimes a fifth rusher from somewhere um, and keep the defensive line moving uh, particularly to help us out man so that's kind of the evolution we've come to on defense I, I think that 
I think we always want to play press. I think that's the most difficult thing for an offense to deal with is when a team presses. And I think the same thing that we think about on the offensive line, I think it gives us the ability to teach a scheme and a skill to a lot of different players. You know, we can teach press to a lot of different kids and get them on the field. And, uh, and that creates a little bit more depth. Yeah, Coach, I, you know, from talking to you over the years and hearing you talk again tonight, you talk about wanting to be in schemes that get a lot of kids a chance to play, um, you know, multiple positions. Expound on that a little bit. Like, why is that one of your core oh, philosophies? Well, I mean, yeah, I think everybody wants to talk about the game and the numbers dropping from the game. Well, you know, it's not fear of injury. Maybe it is for some, but I think that just, you know, fewer kids want to do – it's really hard to play football and football is kind of a delayed gratification sport mm -hmm. and you're going to see numbers drop. At least we're going to see numbers drop or at least become somewhat fluctuating. And I mean, we've got good numbers, but we're down about 20 kids from where we were probably eight, 10 years ago. And that's probably the way it's always going to be looking at our feeder systems coming up. And that's okay. Those kids that are playing, they're all going to be able to get on the field and they're going to be really good football players for us. But they need a set of skills they can get better at from ninth grade through senior year. And take defense, for example. If you can fall into a category of either a kind of a run stopper or a cover guy, you know, that gives you a lot of guys that you can play with and move around with. And, uh, and I think you have to create depth that way. I mean, I don't think you can create depth from a first team and a second team. I mean, we create depth with, you know, seven guys that can cover and can go into football, varsity football game. And obviously we play good competition against good competition. And, uh, you know, eight guys that can play be run stoppers or rushers or whatever you want to say. And then that same kid that's a defense fan might be able to play Mike Linebacker. That same kid, you know, we don't even have stations and corners. We have guys that cover. So um, that kind of gives us, we think, and we hope, some flexibility. Um, I'll tell you, it's difficult to kind of teach that at the younger grades and the younger levels, and we're always looking for, for new ways that we can teach that and do better with that there. Yeah, Coach. How many, how many feeder schools do you have in the Bishop Hartley? So the way the Catholic schools are set up in Columbus, Ohio, is um, geographic. So we basically have the southeast quadrant of um, central Ohio, and another school has the northeast, another school has the northwest, a fourth school has the Southwest. So we kind of have a true feeder system. It's been good for us because these teams run a lot of the things that we want to run. So they're, they're able to be indoctrinated in what we want to do. They kind of have an idea of what the culture is all about at the school. Um, and so we will have um, two teams that feed into us through the years and their numbers fluctuate as well. So sometimes they combine a team. Sometimes it's a couple different teams, two or three teams. Okay. What are, what are some ways you, you help out those feeder programs like as far as getting them up to speed on your philosophy, your, your scheme? What are some things that you've done to reach out to them? Um, for people that are listening, maybe you have feeder programs and want some sure. ideas. Sure. Uh, we've done everything through the years, so we try to keep it fresh and, and ever-changing. Um, you know, we, we've had a clinic for them, but I think it's been more successful to have a feeder school day at our school mm. where during the summer the coaches come out to practice one of our summer practices and are able to watch everything. Um, we have constant contact with them. I mean, I met, I met all, mo all, I guess most or all of their feeder school games. Uh, we put on camps for them. Um, you know, we try to 
engage them within our program and our school in every way possible. But it's also that's also kind of a double-edged sword as well. I mean, some of those kids, you know, football, like I said, is such a delayed gratification sport. You need to make sure all those kids feel like they can do something, be successful down the road. But, you know, some of them, God bless them, they're not going to want to keep playing after ninth grade or after eighth grade or after tenth grade or whatever, and that's okay too. So I don't know that we um, – we put a lot into make trying to get those core kids that want to be championship football players. We want them engaged in everything we do. We want them believing that they're going to get better. Um, but we're also understanding too that it's not going to be for everybody, and that's okay. That's awesome, Coach. Coach, what do you teach at Bishop Hartley? Uh, I teach. So I got a couple different jobs. I teach English. I have a couple English classes, and I also work in the athletic department. And I work in the admissions department as well. That's right. You, I remember we met and you were you were all over the place. And I was like, Coach, Coach wears a lot of different hats. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's good. We have a tremendous school. It's a really strong school culture, and you know that's probably a podcast in itself. You know, I don't know that I'm a believer that a program can be successful at the high school level. You talk about the difference between high school and pro and college and everything else. Like our programs are direct results of our administrators and the parents in our community and our school community. Like if you don't have good, strong, stable administrators, it's going to be hard for a football team to ever have a stable program or a good program. If you don't have parents, they're at least somewhat supportive. Doesn't mean people aren't going to be angry when things don't go their way. I mean, that's life, but uh, people that like you and trust you, you know, it's always going to be tough. Uh, That's been for Bishop Hartley's success for 60 years. That's been it. You know, we've had really strong school community. That's fantastic, Coach. Coach, as we as we wrap up here, give just give the listener like what's a just some nuggets for you know coaching for how do you, you build a program, how do you sustain success? Because um, you you've obviously have done all of those things. Yeah, I think that uh, the number one thing I would tell somebody is like you need to have a stable coaching staff. I mean, the head coach is one part. But it's oftentimes a small part. Uh, it is uh, you have to have a stable staff that the kids can count on, the kids can look forward to. You talk about your feeder schools, like our kids know when they come to Hartley, um, this is how they're going to get coached. This is what it's going to feel like to be coached. This is who they're going to be coached by. And one of our rival schools in our league, I mean, they're like on four coaches in ten years. So, you know, it's never going to happen for them mm. because they don't, just don't value that stability and that. that that's just the way it is. Like I didn't, I didn't do it. I'm just pointing out. I'm not creating the news. I'm just reporting it. Uh, you have to have the stability, not just in the head coach, but in the coaching staff. And um, you know, it's funny. Our league has three teams that have all won multiple state championships, and it really is a an iconic, iconic league. Well, you know, those three teams have had very few coaches, have had very stable administrators. So the school vision has been. Um, been steady and I think that's a huge key I mean you can't go into a football program and and change it if you're you know you have principals every couple years or or your principals just trying to get football off their desk you know it has to believe that it's a representative of the school it's not the entire school by stretch of imagination and it shouldn't be you know the identity of the school in fact the football program should take on the identity of the school not vice versa um so a stable coaching staff, I mean, get some dudes together that believe in what you believe in and get in for the long haul. That, that, that's the hard things about the hard things. 
Coach, that is that is fantastic. Coach, you are you're one of the best. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I appreciate you having me. Awesome, Coach. We will put this one up shortly here, listeners.